you know, it's a night of, uh, we, we call it Lift Up. We do different uh, themes on, on a Sunday evening. And this is just lifting up our prayers, our desires to him. And I just want to focus our, our thoughts, first of all. Um, last Sunday, it was um, a celebrate evening. And I just felt at the end of the evening last Sunday that just this thing about God's promises on our lives was, was renewed again in me. And it had been sort of on my spirit throughout the week. So when Adrian said, would I do this evening, I knew exactly where I was taking it. Only we told this morning that the whole uh, theme of the morning was God's promises. So I think maybe, just maybe, he's trying to tell us something, don't you? I don't know about you, I can be a bit slow to um, respond. I just want to read us a, a few verses from Genesis 21. And we'll start at verse 8. The background to this story, um, just to remind us, is the story of um, Ishmael and Isaac. And if you remember, God made a promise to Abraham and to Sarah that they would have a child. And that child would uh, be the father of nations, and his descendants would be uh, so numerous, impossible to count them. But it never seemed to be happening. That promise never seemed to be fulfilled. And uh, they're getting old now, and um, certainly past childbearing age, and so Sarah had a good idea. It wasn't a God idea. It was, it was a good idea. They took a bit extra and made it a good idea. And says, hey, why don't you take my maidservant? It's quite normal in, in that culture, that society. Take my maidservant, Hagar, sleep with her, let her bear you a child, and that can be the promise of God. Well, that's what happened. But, of course, it wasn't the promise of God. The promise was that Abraham and Sarah would have a child, not Abraham and Hagar. And there were some issues in the household, as you can imagine, with two women and one fella created its own issues. And there was jealousies and striving. And Hagar was driven away and um, then came back again. And um, she lived with Abraham and Sarah. And um, Ishmael grew up. But then God's promise was fulfilled. And uh, Sarah, at the age of 90, save me, Lord, became pregnant and had the promise it was fulfilled. That promise was fulfilled. And Isaac was born. And this is where we come into this story um, in Genesis 21 and verse um, 8. Talking of Isaac now, the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham prepared a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah noticed that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, the son whom Hagar had born to Abraham, saw him mocking. She didn't like this at all, Sarah. So she says to Abraham, Banish the slave woman and her son, for the son of that slave woman will not be an heir along with my son, Isaac. Suddenly, hey, we've got the promise now. I don't want to know about, you know, this um, other child. It says, Sarah's demand displeased Abraham greatly because Ishmael was his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be upset about the boy or your slave wife. Do all that Sarah is telling you, because through Isaac your descendants will be counted. But I will also make the son of the slave wife into a great nation, for he is your descendant too. So early in the morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water, and he gave them to Hagar. He put them on her shoulders, gave her the child, and sent her away. So she went away, wandering aimlessly through the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she shoved the child under one of the shrubs. By this time, Scripture reckons Ishmael would be about 15. He wasn't a little boy. He was growing. Uh, Isaac was sort of of age of being weaned. 
And then she went and sat down by herself across from him at quite a distance, about a bow shot away. For she thought, I refuse to watch the child die. So she sat across from him and she wept uncontrollably. But God heard the boy's, vo- heard the boy's voice. The angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and asked her, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy's voice right where he is crying. Get up, help the boy up, and uh, hold him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God enabled Hagar to see a well of water. She went over and filled the skin with water, and then gave the boy a drink. So here we have the forming of two great nations. Um, Israel, the descendants of Isaac, and the Arab world, the descendants of Ishmael. Still at conflict today, aren't they? Still in conflict even today. But, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, and we read Scripture with hindsight. It's easy to sort of see God's promises fulfilled with hindsight. But Hagar and Ishmael had lived in the house of Abraham. He was one of the richest people of his day, of his area. He had flocks, he had had, um, servants. He had it, had it all except the son of God's promise. He'd got the lot. And Hagar and Ishmael had lived in that household. They would have had position this was his son. This was Abraham's son, the, the big chief. You know, this was his son. They would have had position. They would have been noteworthy. They would have come from a comfortable situation. But then Sarah says, hey, Abraham, this isn't the promise. I want you to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. I don't know how they must have felt that morning when Abraham came and gave them the provisions and sent them on the way. Because there they were now no longer under the protection of Abraham and his household, no, long, no longer under the provision of Abraham and his household. And it says Hagar just wandered in the desert. She'd lost everything. Bless her, she'd lost everything. And now the water had run out and she couldn't see any hope, couldn't see any promise, and thought we're just going to lie here and die. Well, we know, we know over the thousands of years that God kept his promise. But for Hagar, that must have been an awful, daunting situation. I think I'd have sat and sobbed as well. And she said, I can't sit and watch the promise die. Ishmael was God's promise. She said, I, I, I just can't sit and watch him die. But she said she, she placed him under a shrub away from her. She wasn't going to sit and watch a child die. Can you imagine what that is in a mother's heart? The grief and the pain. She hadn't got the hindsight that we've got, that things work out all right in the end. As far as she knew at that moment, that was it. The promise was dead. There was no hope. She was hurt. She was disappointed. And she couldn't see the well in front of her eyes because of her hurt and her disappointment. I don't think for one moment as you read scripture that God suddenly produced a well where the water was. She just couldn't see it. She was so hurt, so shattered, so disappointed, so caught up in her own pain that she'd become blind to his provision. I remember reading this passage a few years back, going through the Bible um, in a year, and, and Genesis, you know, is early on in the year, so it'd be about this time of year. And I remember reading the fact that um, Hagar cried out to God. Oh, she cried out to God, why have you done this to me? I don't know what words to use. I can only guess. I know what words I use. God, what are you messing up? What are you playing at? I only obeyed you. I did everything you asked me to do. Everything Sarah and Abraham asked me to do. 
Of course my lad's been a bit sort of teasing of the, of, of the little boy. Let's do that, God. What are you doing to me? This isn't right. And there was a great pain and a great hurt with her. And she couldn't see the provision. But then the Bible says, God heard the cry of the boy. Not the cry of Hagar. It seems daft because it's just been telling us it was Hagar crying out to God. We can understand that. It says, God heard the cry of the boy. And as I read that, I thought, why, God, did you put it like that? Why wasn't it Hagar's cry you heard? And he spoke into my life at that moment, and it's something that's rested since that moment with me, very, very utmost in my thinking quite often. Because God said, Annette, I will always hear the cry of my promise. I will always hear the cry of my promise. Always. And we're, those who are here this morning um, being reminded of God's promises. And, and last week I was reminded of God's promises in my life. And I want us to spend some time tonight letting the cry of his promise come to his ears once more for our personal lives and for the life of this house. And it may be that in your life God has spoken a promise and you're feeling a bit like Hagar. God, what are you messing at? I seem further from it now than ever I was. It may be to do with your physical life, your, your health. It may be to do with your family, spoken over the life of your, uh, one of your family members. Maybe to do with your own future and your own position, but you're just not seeing it happen. I want us to pray into those promises tonight. Let God hear once more the cry of his promise. So we're going to break shortly into just twos or threes and just pray over those promises in our lives. Let God hear their cry once more. And then when we've done that, we're going to come and pray over one or two of the promises over this house and let God hear the cry again because he hears the cry of his promise. The provision was there. There was a well of water waiting for them. She couldn't see it because she was so caught up in her distress. And Ishmael did become the leader of a great nation. He did. He had position and honor and respect himself. God hadn't deserted them, but it wasn't the way that they thought it was going to go. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when God's spoken into my lives, I can think, oh, this is the way he's going to make it happen. This will be it. Sounds like a good plan, God. Sounds like the way to do it. But God has other ideas. Other ideas. I, want, I just want to turn this to maybe help you on a personal level, which is what I've been sort of uh, in my life. A few years ago here, probably going back now, I don't know, maybe four years, five years. I, I, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, it's when I finished being a full-time minister here. God was speaking that year constantly into my life. I've never heard the voice of God so much as I heard it last, that year. It was so clear, and I knew what he was telling me. I knew it as clear as anything. It was time to stop, step down from full-time ministry. It was time to start trusting him once again, where finances were concerned. It was time for me to begin on a new walk, a new way. I was hearing it all, time after time. It just seemed that I couldn't get away from it. And, um, and so I made the decision, and, and I knew that when my heart was to do more mission work, to go out uh, and do more mission work, and it, it began, I was in Rwanda and India, and Rwanda, my heart was growing. 
And then a bit like Hagar, I'm thinking, what God, what's happened here? I am physically at the moment not able to do that. Now, that doesn't mean God's promise is dead or a lie or anything else. It's just that I got it all worked out in my head. And he says, hey, Annette, this is the way you're going. He could have provided for Hagar and Ishmael in the house of Abraham, but he chose them to walk that way. And we, we hear God's voice and we think, God, this is the way you'll do it. My husband, my wife, my child will come to church and they'll get wonderfully saved and that's how you're going to fulfill that promise. And then it turns out in the most ridiculous way you've ever thought of, the way you never thought he would do it. But God always, always, always hears the cry of his promise. And how do I know that? Because he's a man. He's not man that he should lie. God is truth. He's not truthful. He is truth. And if he speaks it, it will be. And he hears the cry of his promise. So let's just take a moment or two and think about maybe things over our own lives. And maybe you think, well, I can't actually place a promise that God's given me. There's a hope, a desire that's growing in you. And you think, oh, God, this is what I'd love. Let's bring that to prayer. Come on. Let's bring it before him and say, God, you've spoken this over my life. And as yet, it, it seems... I'm like, hey, God, I'm as far from it as ever can imagine. I'm just going to lie down and die and forget the whole thing. It's never going to happen. Or maybe you're on the cusp of it right now. Or maybe there's just something growing within you, a desire and a hope. Let's just break down into twos, threes, fours, wherever you're comfortable. If you prefer, if you're happier to sit on your own, that's fine. And just pray quietly. There's no pressure. It sometimes just helps to, to pray with us and say, God... I'm going to cry out this promise to you so you can hear once more the cry of your promise because God will always respond to the cry of his promise. So we're just going to spend a few moments now doing that. And if you can't sort of think in your life, well, I can't pinpoint a promise, but, oh, God, this is what I'd love to see happening, then bring it to him. Bring it to him. So we can move around, join with others, pray with others, and let's begin to see um, him uh, hear the cry of the promises of our lives. And then we're going to come back together and pray over this house. So God, thank you that you hear the cry of your promise over our lives, the lives of the people in this house. Lord, we cry on their behalf that, Lord, they will see the fulfillment of your promise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're a faithful God, one we can depend on. Thank you, Lord. So I want to shift our focus a bit now and pray into the promises regarding this house. I, I haven't, I think if we looked at them all, um, we'd be here all night. But God has spoken good regarding this house, this part of his kingdom, um, this little corner of Long Eaton, let alone the church of, of uh, the United Kingdom, let alone the church of the world, but just this little where we are, where he's placed us, the family he's placed us into, the household he's placed us into. He's spoken good over it. Good in the past, and for now, and, and, and the future. And you know, this house has seen some good things. It's seen some great things, but we've never moved into all that God's got for us. There's no way we have. Absolutely no way. And as I was thinking around this, one of the words I was uh, thinking about was one uh, that we had uh, regarding the tree. And uh, I remember some years ago, now probably 12 years ago, um, we're having a, a night of prayer and um, just feel burdened and, and going off my own. And God showed me a picture of a, a lovely, gorgeous green tree. 
And then there came a chopping away of the tree until it was practically bare. And I remember crying as I saw this picture. But then as I looked again, I saw it begin to re-sprout till it was bigger and greener and lusher and more plentiful. And it's like we had to go through a pruning. And I believe we, we've been going through some sorts of pruning, whether we've been through it all or not, I don't know, because that would be the gift of hindsight, and I haven't got it um, until it's happened. But I do know that God loves this house because he loves his church. And he's chosen to place us together, the people that worship here. doesn't mean we're any better or any worse than anybody else. It's just that this is a family he has placed us into. And I just want us to pray into this house right now that we will move into all that God has planned and purposed, the promise he's given us. He's, he's spoken to us about wells of provision in the past. He's spoken all sorts of words over this house, and we haven't even begun to enter into some of them yet. So let's just remind him of his promises, of that fruitful tree, of that well of provision, of a place where people will come and find his love, his compassion. That What we've known tonight, of his love touching us, reaching us, the wonder of all that, that there will be many others that will discover that. It's got nothing to do with the honor of this house or anything else. It's to do with people. It's all to do with people who need to know and experience his love. And he's spoken well over us. But that wasn't everything. God had got an incredible future. That was just the start of it. Let's not miss what he's doing today as well. Let's not miss the people around us today. What do you say? Do you agree? He does. (laughs) So, Lord, we just ask your lovely, lovely blessing upon each one of us. Thank you that you keep your good hand on our lives. And, Father, may we know that as we go into this week. Father, some we may feel a bit like Hagar and a bit despairing, or even a lot despairing, but may we just know your hand touching our lives this week, know your peace and your love just engulfing us in all that we go into, in our family, in our work, in our leisure, in all that we do, O oh Lord. May we fill the engulfing of your love upon our lives, we pray. Bless you in your precious name. Amen. Amen.